This is Infidel One. Offending Coyote Down. Offending Coyote Down. Roger that. Welcome to Trappin' Radio. We're proud, organic, free-range, wild fur farmers of North America. Let me tell you a little story about how I was raised. Every day work, every day pray. God, family, friends, yeah, everybody sins. A winner never quits, and a quitter never wins. Help folks in need, don't fall for greed. A jealous man is weak, so think before you speak. If you love them, let them know. If you hate, let it go. Fast can be fun, but sometimes you need slow. God is all good, the devil is so real. So listen up, y'all, because this is how I feel. I won't back up, I don't back down I've been raised up to stand my ground Take my job, but not my guns Tax my check till I ain't got none Except for the good Lord of above I answer to no one Now let's cover our sponsors. They do a lot to help support Trapping Radio. So I'm asking you guys out there and gals, to help support our sponsors as they keep trapping radio on the air. First sponsors, Oki Cable and Trap Supply. Jeb's the owner of this. He's out of Oklahoma, super guy. You'll not meet anybody nicer. It's somebody you're gonna wanna deal with. You can reach him at OKTrapSupply.com. You can give Jeb a call at 918-429-4648. Not only does he do trap supply guys, he's a fur buyer, so if you're around the Oklahoma or surrounding states, give him a call with your fur. When you need stuff, give him a call and he'll get it out to you as soon as he can. Our second sponsor is F&T Fur Harvesters Trading Post. Everything you need for trapping, hunting with hounds, and predator calling. Guys, if you're into trapping fur, hunting fur, chasing fur with dogs, you're not gonna be able to think of hardly anything that you can't get from F&T. You can reach them at fntpost.com. You can also give them a call at 989-727-8727. Whatever you want, F&T's got it. Blue Ridge Outdoor Supplies. Scott Payne is the owner of this business. He's in Elton, Virginia. He also has a lure line, Mountain Rebel Lures and Baits. He's got a great coyote trapping video. He's also a fur buyer in Virginia. Anything that you're looking for and your trapping needs, give Scott a call and he'll get it right out to you. Wildlife Control Supplies, proven solutions for wildlife control, delivering value, expertise, and products to the wildlife individual. If you're an ADC business, control business, even fur trapping, you need to look at these guys' website. Top-notch company, have everything you would want, even the odd stuff that ADC guys are looking for. You can reach them at wildlifecontrolsupplies.com. You can give them a call at 877-684-7262. International number is 860-844-0101. If you're a wildlife control professional, you need to have wildlife control supplies as one of your favorites on your computer or your phone because when you come across something that you need specialized equipment, Alan will get it right out to you. Now let's go trapping. See, I'm a flag flying, Bible toting son of a gun. Yeah, I'm hell on the heart. 
one just a rebel on the run scared don't know it fear don't feel it the truth is the light sometimes you gotta fight good beats bad right beats wrong i'm a ballroom preacher and this is my song i'm climbing for the top representing for the country i'm the people's champ right out to dear camp shotgun toter republican voter hank jr supporter let's protect our border to hell with anyone who don't believe in the usa because this is what i say i won't back up i don't back down i've been raised up to stand my ground take my job but not my Hey everyone, this is Clint Locklear, your psychiatrist tonight as I got Claudia Taylor, Taylor laid out on a bed and he apparently is going to stay that way, so I'm sitting up, he's laying down, so I figured I'll be the shrink. So how you doing tonight, Claudia? I'm doing much better. <laughs> we got to talking towards the uh, end of the show today, and we're at North Carolina, guys, if you don't know where we're at, and um, you got to talking about the otter, and it was... To me, it was super fascinating because you're saying you used to keep the otter. You'd catch the otter. You would sell them to other states. Mm -hmm. Now, if there's anything that I go into that I don't need to, start doing the neck motion. Okay. And I'll, I'll change it. But it ain't nothing. It's, everything's cool. I had all the, the, the available per permits. In fact, uh, Tennessee Valley Authority got up with the Wildlife Commission and said, you know, our otter had been gone for some whatever, maybe most likely pollution. And we'd like to bring them back, and we'd like to get them from North Carolina. Well, they said first, they said, you know, the Wildlife Commission don't do that. But we know a guy that might. <clears throat> so they called me. And now, how I, did you become the otter man before that point? I mean, why would they call Clark? I had caught a lot of otter and taught a lot of people to catch otter. They'd always fascinated me. I had, uh, and in the, I had always wanted an otter, and I caught an otter. And I took her out, and I carried her home. And I called the wildlife, told them during trapping season, said I need a permit, which I never got. But they didn't, you know, they'd say, yes, yeah, coming. You know, it's in the mail. Mm -hmm. You know, like it'll be there Tuesday. But anyway, and I kept her in it, and, and I had her tame. She was getting all, getting my lap and all this. Well, the wildlife folks, they would come and they were just mesmerized that, you know, this wild otter, grown otter, that had been take, traumatized and taken out of a trap that, that was so tame to me. Well, well, the otter didn't know you set the trap. Well, I don't I don't know. They're pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> but she, uh, but she knew I was the one who got her around the neck and took her and took the trap off. Maybe she thought I was the good guy. Mm -hmm. I, you know, after once she calmed down. But I kept her about six months, and and I was always a stickler. If I like a wild animal, I was gonna feed her what she normally eat. Now in the, in the zoos and stuff, they'd put them on cat food and stuff. Well, I said no. You know, I'm I'm the one, you know, like fish, cat food. I said, I'm the one that caught her. I want her to be as comfortable as possible. I had her a big cage with a swimming pool. And I'd go to the local farm ponds and catch live fish. Well, after about six months, I thought, Dag, you know, I'm married to this otter. I can't go nowhere. I, I went off, and the whole time I was gone, she's all over me. She's pet my pet. And the whole time, she... When my daughters and my wife would feed her, she was she was growling at them, and they told me, "said You can't do that no more." Said she's upset. She don't want you gone. I'm thinking, mm, I need to do something. So I turn her away. Well, let's turn that off. 
and uh, that was a phone call. But uh, so I turned her loose. Well, she had she had gotten so used to my welfare system that for a week she'd run around in the yard and she'd go back in the cage at night and sleep. Now you're saying after you turned her after loose. After I turned her loose, I'd open the gate. I said, you know, enough. But I'm still feeding her some. But it was a big canal at that time, and she'd get some crayfish out of that. I know one day, one day and I was there, and one of my buddies come in. He come in and said, Claudia, there's a lot. There's a bigger water in your backyard. I said, yeah, that's Susan. <laughs> he goes, really? But anyway, after a week, she started going off a day or two. After two weeks, maybe I maybe saw her once a week. And then after about a month, uh, I'd see her tracks occasionally, but I didn't actually see her anymore. But she would come back, and then after maybe two or three months, she was, she went on. I mean, do you think she imprinted on you, or just I, the I free fish? It, you know, everything understands welfare, and she had it made. I hauled her crayfish, I hauled her eels, I hauled her live brim, live, live whatever that I thought that she would eat. And something in my part of the world, you know, they tell you that otter eat frogs and all this i put numerous bullfrogs in her cage and they'd stay in there two or three weeks and i'd take them out and turn them loose she wouldn't mess, she with, wouldn't them. mess with them now everything else she did now the weather got warm and she was an inland otter and i go and i catch some hard crabs like the otter eat on the coast well she didn't want no part of it i had to mess with them once i got yeah, her I, i'm certain that with all the going back and forth but she kept coming back, and I fed her a little bit. But she, I had made life so simple for her that that she imprinted on me, and uh, that was the deal. But then she finally left, and afterwards, I think it was. Uh, in six months, I saw her something like saw her tracks in the yard like one time, and then she left, and. Uh, <laughs> Later on, I caught her in a beaver flow, in the same beaver flow that I had removed her from, and she was in bad shape. It was four or five years later. She was over the hill. Her teeth were gone. She was. She probably didn't weigh 15 pounds. You know. So you don't think it was that she couldn't figure out how to hunt anymore? She just wanted to no, no, because she made it after that. Uh, they just they uh, otters pretty really controlled by their stomach. They 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 eat they eat a lot. And uh, how much do you think she would eat in a day? Gosh, I'd feed her. She was probably a 18-pound female, and I'd feed her two or three times a day, probably six, seven pounds, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, they eat a lot and they crap a lot. You know, <laughs> if, if what goes in must come out. Pretty quickly, from what Pretty I understand. Pretty quickly, yeah, and. Uh, but it, it was really, it was really enlightening how how intelligent they were. Well, this was these the wildlife knew about it, so then they knew that I could handle them alive. So they tell the TVA authority that uh, to get up with me. So they called me. They made me offer. I said sure. And uh, they said you get back up with the wildlife commission. Said they they'll write you some permits. And they said so. I call them. I get all the permits in place. And here we go. And uh, in about three years, it was something like a hundred or something. As you and I were talking earlier, I probably, some of my otter's genetics, you're catching in Tennessee now. And I appreciate that. Yes, sir. And uh, I appreciate it. It worked out pretty good for me, too. But uh, That's just recycling. That's it. 
that's it. But it was very rewarding, you know. Uh, the otter were gone. I helped get them back. Well, then after TVA authority, I caught some for uh, West Virginia. I did that a couple of years, but I didn't get them as many. They were, they were a stickler. They wanted one male, one female. Well, sometimes, you know, in, in after the first of the year, it's pretty hard to catch females. You may go and catch five males and one or two females. But then at the end, they, they, they change, you know, they, they come around. But I don't remember. I may have sent them 70, something like that. And I think they've got a season too. But the interesting thing about it is uh, <clears throat> the otter with the TVA, they, they, they had taken it serious. They took them to Tennessee and they work them up. They give them a, a good uh, physical and they would implant a transmitter in them so they could track them. And uh, even later, Afterwards, they could track them. They even went to females that had as many as four pups in the summertime and was, would watch them feeding and all this. The only otter that I sent to them that they lost was a male, and when it was early in the spring, there was still ice, and uh, an ice ledge collapsed on him and killed him. The rest of them did well. But I told you one that, that I, I think you enjoyed was an otter that I named Fat Man. I, I, I really enjoyed Fat Man. He was big. He was a big old otter. And I'd pick on him. I'd come out and always in the morning with my otter, I'd get up at daylight. i feed my otter before I had breakfast. But I'd pick on him. I'd have to walk by him. And he'd, he'd holler, eh, and I'd just talk, are you hungry? Are you hungry? And he'd get to licking the wire and he'd drool all down. <laughs> And I'd feed everybody else and I'd feed him. Well, I ended up keeping him probably three weeks and I, I, I'd scratch his stomach. I mean, it was neat. He was a big old otter. Well, when they come got him, I told the biologist, I said, now you need to, uh, you need to be careful. Batman is humanized. He'll hurt you. And what they were doing, they were putting him in about a 10 by 10 room with no windows or anything, and they'd go in, take a net, put them down, give them a shot, knock them out, and put them, give them, give them their physical, and implant the transmitter. Well, they put Batman in the room like tonight. They go in in the morning to work him up. Batman gets up, stretches, and runs right over and nails the guy's name was Ed Emery. And he called me, she said, that otter's hurt me. He said, if I had that big old brogan, said, he'd really hurt me. He said, I'm bruised all up through them shoes. I said, well, what I tell you? You know, when he, when a wild animal ceases, a male wild animal that big ceases to be afraid of you, he can hurt you and will. And, but because they're temperamental. From they're te one. Yeah, and every otter, every one of them had a personality. They were different. The females were a little iller. The males, some of them, it would take two days for them to kind of relax. And where the other one, it may he may do it the, the day I put him in there that evening. But uh, when they released him, they always released him and they tracked him for, for four or five days a week, whatever. Well, they turned Batman loose, and in about three days, he'd gone 50 miles. Ed called me. He said that that said 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 Batman has 
he's gone 50 miles. I said, he's looking at me. <laughs> I said, heck, you know, we're clogging. This water up here is cold. and ain't many fish in it. You know, I need, I need some brim. Well, he stayed down there, and just in just a few days, a week and a half, maybe two weeks, he was back in 50 yards of where they released him. He called me. I said, I told you. He's looking me. He's up there looking on that. Now, he's got to be here somewhere now. I, you know, I'm hungry. The fish man. He, yeah, the fish man. And then he relaxed. He went on down. He goes and he finds him a, a rainbow trout pond. The farmer calls him totally irate. He knew about the program. Well, Fat Man had gone up there and there was 21 big brood rainbow trout dead on the dike. There was two or three heads where he'd eat, and then he just went out there and killed them for the sport of it. Well, they were going to go up and trap him, but in the meantime, he left, and then he went on. I think the last time they tracked him, he had gone, he, maybe he was he was close to 100 miles from where they released him, and several of the otter went that far. You know, they dispersed out. Did they, any of them ever get back to North Carolina? Uh-uh. No, not while they had, uh, not while they had the transmitter for it working. Uh, Did I they end you, up in any other states? No, not to my knowledge. But but I think after a while, see, the transmitter goes dead. Mm. And it's certainly not impossible, you know, because when you relocate them like that and they're growing, it's certainly not impossible that that they go. Cause, and you see how the otter is spread. And uh, I don't, I believe they got a few otter out of Louisiana, too. See, I didn't know that you were were selling to Tennessee. I knew that they were bringing them from Louisiana. Oh, saving, uh, yeah. So I wonder how many they actually turn loose. Well, he it, it wasn't a great number, according to Ed. He didn't he didn't like the idea of of getting the uh, the Louisiana otter because they were a different latitude. You know, they were down further south. He was wanting to get them because we're pretty much in line. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, New York did it and they called one of the biologists contacted me but they decided not to they ended up trapping their otter within the state they wanted to keep the genetics pure and uh i think ohio got some from louisiana saving well you know those are some miserable otter the first winter they went through. you know they got to be you know they got to be because their fur is not you know those northern otters got thicker fur than ours. He said, good Lord, this doesn't turn cold on me. But it shows you how resilient they are. There's not a lot of animals that you can bring from a southern latitude and release them in a northern latitude and they live. But the river otter have done it numerous times. Ohio, you know, uh, uh, West Virginia got some. But, uh, but he he really liked ours. Ours was big and and uh, had a lot of black ones. But and and they come down. We we load them on an airplane at Newburn and fly them up. He tried he tried it one time because the one fragile part about an otter is transporting. He'll stress and have a heart attack and die. And I I had told Ed I said you know never cover them up. And I had two otter that would would caught together at the same set had been in, in the cage together. You couldn't tell. I was using number 11s, little 11s. I'd catch them one or two toes. You couldn't even tell these otters had ever been in the trap. And he come down and he was going to try to haul them. Well, I had something like 20 and he put them in a, a big van and he gets to Asheville and gets snowed in. And for whatever reason, 
he decided to cover these two otters with a blanket. He gets up the next morning, both of them are dead. They're you think dead. just not knowing what's around them? Just not knowing what's around them. But that night, while he was in the motel, one that I had caught right close to my house released itself. He was in a cage by himself, he tore a hole in it, got out the, out the van, and he tracked him through the snow for about a half a mile, and he went into a municipal pond. <laughs> he said, well, he's from, you know, he's close to Tennessee. <laughs> you know, he well, now that was on him. And he never, but he never, uh, from then on, they flew him. They'd come, load him on a plane, and in just a matter of a couple of hours, you know, they'd have him at the facility. As long as he can see what's going on, He's good. You cover him up, he'll die. Well, I mean, it, it seems, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a biologist, even though I have stayed in the Holiday Inn Express more than once. Me too, yeah. But you'd think they would sedate them before they did that. Mm -mm. No, nope, they didn't. And, and you really don't have to. Uh, but the, the, the only time they did any drugs was when they put them down to implant the transmitter. And that was the neat part. But uh, the question about going to other states, I got all ideas that they did. You know, some of them hung out and away they went. Uh, like the younger males, you know, well, certainly I caught some juvenile males, some juvenile females, and the nature of the beast, uh, all of our beasts is to populate other areas, you know, so we don't interbreed. But it was, it was very rewarding, I enjoyed it. Uh, I really, really felt like I was doing something, you know, I'm putting back. I've, I've been a trapper all my life, I've harvested fur, I've, I've never harvested nothing that I thought was in danger, and in this case it was it was actually the reverse of that. I was catching them where we had plenty and giving them to them, and they did well. That's pretty cool. What, I think. Walk me through, I, I have, I personally, of course I'm a big trap guy, so my brain is screaming when you start talking about number 11s. Walk me through how, how that worked. How did you, you catch them to, to put them in the cages, to everything. I mean, how did you do that? It's, I mean, do you think you were getting a lot of misses with a little no, bit of trap? No, I won't because I'm a stickler for, if I'd have been getting misses, I'd have changed. Uh, it's all in how you set the trap. That number 11, if an elephant could get his toe in it, it would catch it. I believe that. It's a good trap. And it was all in setting. I was setting for at least a two-toe catch. With an eight-inch chain, you had to be real careful that nothing, they couldn't tangle up. And, of course, you're checking your traps. I didn't run 200 traps. I ran enough traps that by 10 o'clock, starting at light, by 10 o'clock I could have them checked. And uh, that number 11 is awesome. And I'd, even one toe, 90% of the time, I'd, I'd hold him. But now when I got up there and saw what I had, I, I, went on, I went on him pretty quick, you know, because certainly that would be fragile. But most of the otter, after a couple of days, you couldn't even tell they'd been in a trap. It was, it was really a neat system. Well, what kind of set were you using? I'd go a crossover, a toilet, but I always set on dry land. And I always went around and made sure there was no roots. If he dug a little bit, in other words, I was just fanatically careful. There was nothing for the trap to fasten on. I put two swivels, plus 
you know, the swivel at, at I had a swivel on, on where it goes, the, the connector that goes on the thing. I had one in the middle of the 8 inch chain and then you, I had one up at the thing. So there was no chance of it getting dirty and uh, or even grass because once that trap got, if it got fastened, I imagine in two minutes he was gone. But as long as it was there, it was just a, a holding device. So how did you, okay, explain your trap placement on a, say like okay. on a crossover? As anything that I do, I made him go where I wanted him to go. I hedged the... I had, I've heard that before somewhere you, in heard a video that somewhere or something. It may know. be on the video. In fact, I know it is. You heard it today out there when I was doing the demo several times. And as I explained to them, even deer hunting, you, you read the, the people that tell you how to deer hunt, look for choke points, you know. And I go further. I make them go where I want them to go. But I'd take, if he was going on a toilet, I'd hedge it down to where I'd have a place only about four inches wide but I'd use guide sticks, but I'd lay them out the size of what I thought an otter was. You see, you know, I mm -hmm. didn't have them four inches apart. I'd lay them out at the top. Well, I'd place the treadle behind one of the, one of the sticks. If you look at an otter, and I had studied otter all my life, I'd watch them feeding and whenever could, we've always had a good bunch of otters. He runs, he lopes, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, if you go on a sandbar, his feet don't go straight in front of each other, they're all set just a little. Mm -hmm. All right, well I put that treadle right behind that stick, which means he comes up and I sit pretty close to the, uh, to the water, because when he comes out of the water, he'll run up about three feet and go down. Roll. Roll. If you've got a lab, they do the same. If you if you got a lab, he goes in the water playing. When he comes up, he usually, unless he's interested in somebody, he goes up just three or four feet and down he goes and rolling. Well, the otter does the same thing. Well, you know, you don't do a lot of foot catching if he's rolling. And, but I'd have it like this, and I'd have it about yay far from the water. And, and yay far, the radio is how far? Okay, yay far is well, I'd say about three foot, no okay. more than three. Uh, no less than two. I didn't want him getting in the water because something else about an otter is really, really, he fights the trap bad. An otter has a superb coat. He heats up. When I'd go to, when I'd go and I'd have the otter, I'd take him out, I'd put him in my cage. I'd set him in about an inch of water because they invariably were thirsty. He'd drink. I'd let him sit there and cool off while I'm resetting the trap because, you know, where you caught an otter is a good place to catch an otter. I'd get it right. Then I'd get in the boat and invariably I'd feed him. He would eat fresh fish, fresh out of the trap, which was, if I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't have believed That's it. It's crazy. It's crazy. But he is totally cons consumed by his tummy. And uh, I really feel like that was all part of my program of why I had such good luck with, with no mortality. Uh, because of, of of captivity like that, and uh, and they didn't bounce off that cage. Like now you, yeah, and that's something else. Now you had what I learned. Some of the folks that that had transported them from Louisiana had one inch wire. A small otter would hook his canines in it, so I got quarter of inch wire, coated heavy wire like like crab pot mm -hmm. bait wells. And I had it so that he couldn't hook his canines. I had everything about him in that small cage so he couldn't hurt himself the first hour or two. Well, when I come, I put him in the big cage, 
Well, the big cage was eight before, and uh, he won his bed. He won his, you know, he won't confine, and he didn't try to tear his side out, and he didn't hurt himself. And, How many would you put in a four by eight cage? Uh, two. Two. Mm -hmm. Same sex, I'm assuming. Same sex. Yep. Yep. Oh, I, 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 I know when if I have several cages now in in the boat or truck when I was catching them, I never put but one, you know, because they confine, and if they got in there and got fighting, they're bad. They're, they've got a lot of power in their jaws that could kill each other. You know, which I certainly didn't want. I didn't want to, to mutilate them, and I didn't want to lose the lose the otter. But once I'd go put them in the big cage, uh, they'd be comment on that, and I'd feed them again, and I'd give them fish again. They'd all oh, and they'd eat. It, it, it was like you say, it was crazy. There ain't another animal I'm aware of you take out of the woods uh, under that kind of stress that eats, but which tells you that they were they were very hungry and always when I set them in in about an inch or two of water they'd always drink right then I mean you could do that to a coyote he wouldn't drink the water and no, he, he wouldn't dare eat no no and 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 now where with a coyote if he's got a dark place he'll sit back there and he won't gnaw and tear up but now the otter he'd like I say if if, if the cage wire was big enough he'd tear his canines up he'd, he'd hurt himself or break them but uh, and none of them never mutilated herself. They broke the tooth, but they didn't dislodge it. You know, pull it out by the roots. Uh, and when I'd come in, if if I wanted to put a cut, now if I caught them together, you know, had a double, I'd put them together, and they do good. Uh, but maybe if I had had five cages out there and I had otter in them, then eventually I'd put another one, another one, another one. But I wouldn't just go up and put him in there. I'd go up and set him side of it and let him get acclimated because, you know, I had a lot at stake. You know, I didn't want the otter to, to, to fight because you put an otter in there and they, the two fight, even the little ones gonna hurt the big one. They're bad. They're, their jaws are... Uh, it's not like you could go in there and just tear them apart. I yeah. wouldn't think. Do what? I, I couldn't imagine you just going in there and separating them like kids. No, either. no. They'd be on their own. <laughs> You know, and say, well, I hate it, but y'all not done that. But uh, but it was very enlightening. And uh, as I said earlier, every one of them had a different personality. Some of them would maybe just sit there and look. The old ones would come meet me. Uh, it, at feeding time, it was like feeding domestic animals. Uh, in a lot of cases, like I said, with Fat Man, he'd get there and he'd just lick the cage until he drooled. And he, he, just, yeah, he was just a porker. He wanted him some food. But it, it, it was really, really, really fun. Well, they come up and they find out the Fish and Wildlife Service said, all right, before you uh, bring them up here and release them, they got, they got to have a medical card. <laughs> a medical card? Uh -huh. They have to, be, have to be certified by a veterinarian. Wouldn't you like to be the veterinarian that goes and examines it? <laughs> Well, what I did, I called one in Newburn, and I told him what I had, what they required. Would he come and do what he could? He said, sure. So he come, and he had he had some paperwork. He goes, and he looks at them, and I feed them, and he looks at them. But the main thing he did was look at their scat and see something else. I, knew, I know some people that tried to keep some, and when they were going to feed them the fish, they cleaned the fish. 
to kill them. The bones and the scales are roughage that over millennia otter have evolved where that's part of the digestive system. Well see my otter their scat was was normal so he goes through their scat made sure there was no blood no nothing and it passed and you know he never charged me a penny he drive out. Has he ever really seen otter up to that point? No, or? no, nothing but on National Geographic <laughs> or something. But he, he was like, like us, he thought it was really neat and it was a good deal and he never charged me a penny. And, and uh, it's 20 miles from his office to there and he'd come and he'd spend an hour and because I'd do it just before I knew he was coming to ship them, you know, to get them. Well, I mean, if they're if they're that crazy about food, then how come just hanging a fish on a tree? He's so good at what he does, and and over the years, back in the heyday of the fur, when I was catching so many coons, I used a lot. I'd use a in in my part of the world a jumping mullet, which is a, a salt or brackish water fish, and in a year I'd catch six seven otter. Well, there was trappers that tried to trap otter that didn't catch no more than that, but I was catching 30, so I wasn't catching otter like I am now. I didn't do that until the, until the, the beaver came in and created new habitat, which, you know, more places. And I learned how to use the killers so much, so much more efficient. But I would catch them. But 99% of the time, when I'd catch an otter in a baited set, it would be on a harsh night a cold night. That's just like mink in my part of the world. You know, up north they punch a hole, stick fish up there, stick a trap under it, and some of the guys catch 70, 80, 100 mink. You do that here, some of them came down back in the heyday of the fur and they went back with the tail between their legs. These mink here, the climate is is mild enough, they can get what they want. And and most time they'll ride right, run right by dead fish. It freeze, you catch a mink or two. You catch an otter or two. When it's cold enough that the coons don't move, apparently that kind of inhibits them, I reckon, whatever, from being able to efficiently. According to the, to the biologist years ago, he said the otter is the perfect predator. Most wildlife, most animals, most mammals in the wild spend 90% of their time finding food and breeding. 10%, uh, uh, no, finding food. They spend 10% of their time breeding and playing. Otters spend 90% of their time playing and breeding and 10% feeding. They're so good at what they do. And the way nature has designed them, if he goes into a, say a five acre pond, they only stay, they won't stay long. They may stay four or five days. If they stayed two weeks, they'd catch every fish in there. You know? Mm -hmm. And they deplete it when nature set them up where then they go somewhere else and they go somewhere else. But they've always been a very, very fascinating animal, animal to me. They're so pretty. Their fur is perfect. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I didn't get to a while ago, you, uh, I would I'd put them on antibiotics just as soon as I'd get them. They fight the trap and they, they their body heats up. If you don't put them on, on antibiotics, nine out of ten of them will get pneumonia and die. And it, it, they'll do it. Uh, so I already had to, I talked to the vet, there's some antibiotics that'll destroy their kidneys and 
I think it was trimycin or something. But anyway, the the one that I used, I got it. I got information at home, but right now I can't remember. But some some antibiotics is detrimental to them. But I'd sprinkle it on the fish, and they never noticed it. And I'd keep them on it for about a week, and then I'd quit, no problem. But uh, I knew some guys that that tried they, that they were going to help me catch them, and they caught one or two in about about four days to get in the moon and die. Well, what, what brought all this up? Well, before I get to that, if you were that good with the footholds, why did you go to the 330s? I like dealing with dead animals first. Uh, second is our trap check. I set a county bear submerged, I got 72 hours. A foot trap or a snare, you're married to. You've got to check it every day. If uh, you get a snow event, a wind event, or whatever, I get sick, I miss it, I, I feel bad today. I got to check them traps. If I decide I want to go every other day and run twice as many traps, I, I, that's a possibility too, you know. The, the, the Connie Bear just opens up so many more and you know, uh, foot traps we'll say are 90% effective. Connie bears are 100 when you set them right. You go there, the animal's dead, you ain't got no hassle. You take him out, carry him to the barn, put him up, etc. You don't have to kill him. Uh, and one of the things when I was foot trapping them for fur, I found out that I could take like a boat paddle and hit, hit him with the blade right at the base of his skull and you didn't even have to bruise him and kill him. So then when I went trying to manipulate my killers so I could, the strike point was right there. And plenty of times a big 25 pound otter be laying, he'd just die right there, he wouldn't even. And, and that's, that's cool, you know. If I got to kill him, I went, I made four speeches in the Senate. They were trying to stop trapping. And the president of the Humane Society was a lady got me outside and she said, well, I realize what you do need to be done. What I'm asking you to do is do it as humanely as possible. I said, well, I'm, I'm going to do that. And I have, you know, if I go deer hunting, I shoot a deer, I want to be sure I got him. I don't want, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want him, uh, I want it to be as quick as possible. And that's what you do with the killers. That's one of the things if you've ever seen with my video and, and any demos I do, I say, keep your trap strong. When the trap hits him, you want it to do him in right then. A weak trap, it don't do him in. And and it's, it's kind of self-serving, too, in that uh, a weak trap can cause bird damage, mm -hmm. especially on a beaver. You know, if it moves on a beaver, it'll just shear it. It'll be a place that big. You take a number one pelt and turn it into a number two. And, and I have a real problem with that because I've always been fascinated with fur. It's beautiful. And I certainly got a problem with me, my deal, messing up a number one pill. And it's kind of nice to say, yeah, I got, I had three top lot otter last year, you know, best of the lot, best, best was offered because of, and and it it happens by accident some, but it also happens by plan, you know. Now what what body grips are you using? Since you hadn't went to the Blouse, have you? I have not, and it's because of my age. <laughs> 
they're probably high. too cheap. They're, yeah, they're too cheap, all right. No, you'd be in too cheap. I am too cheap. And I've got these, these I use them. Uh, I kill the animals effectively. I may miss a muskrat or two, but at my age, I hate to spend that money to buy 200 Bilal's at the price they are. I'm not telling you they're not a good trap, but I'll tell you this. There's not a trap on the market as strong as the Duke. That Duke's awesome now. Now. And now, what I have done is my old trap. I did a demo today with a trap that's probably been respring three times. Because I'm adamant about strong springs, and now it has Duke springs on it, and it's frightening. You know. They're like the, the, mag, the Duke Magnums? No, I, I don't use the Magnum. Just a straight, just a straight deal, uh, and there's some tricks that you do that'll that'll make the old one close too. You carry your springs up at a 45 degree angle, your trap closes all the way. Okay. You ever tried that? No. Yep. I use blows. Okay. And, <laughs> and yeah, and I know a lot of people do, but uh, the, most of these traps are 20 years old. The frame. And I do a lot to them, you know. I do the the the, the chain and a piece of uh, uh, cable, quick coupling. Uh, try to make. It. I I went up and and went on a trap line with some guys in Virginia, and when I showed them that system of chain, a few days later they they said that was life changing experience. It made life so simpler. While he's out looking, he's using wire, and wire invariably is going to break. You know how I know that. Mm -hmm. I've been there. And uh, he's getting a drag, and I showed him how I'll cut a bush, use it as my blocking to make him go where I want him to go. Have you ever heard that before? Mm -hmm. And uh, all of it's a system. And once you get set up, and as I told him today, time's money. If I got 60 traps and I, and I blow a minute, one minute per trap, there's an hour that I could be setting new sets. And you know, a, a real good trapper, a long line trapper, he wants to set a few new ones every day. Absolutely. And then tomorrow you really want to get to them new ones because you know, they're, they're the primo. I may not have caught much back here, but they just, that's the best. But uh, but Belial's are good traps, I'll not deny that. And uh, For some good. reason I was thinking to use like BMI Magnums or something. No, I used to, when I started, when BMI first come out, the ring on the spring that goes up and down was about half as big as it is now. And it would do anything these other, these magnums would do. It was a super trap, it was super strong. Uh, I'm still using the frames of those traps, but now the, the rings are this big, which means you got a gap. Now, therefore, see, one of the ways I set the trap, if I'm setting it normally, I, I drop the springs down to help stabilize it anyway. Then, when the rat comes along, it closes too, and it gets him. Uh, but something that really concerns me, as many animals as I've caught in 330 county bears, I've never caught a mink. Never. I've caught mink, I've caught little female mink in 280s. I've caught a lot, right many boar mink in 280s. Piles of muskrats, and I've caught a lot of rats in, in 330s, but I've never caught a mink. I know people that's caught, that sometimes will catch two or three a year. But it, it bugs me. <laughs> But, I think you're okay. Yeah, you think so? Well, on the other side of the coin, the year I caught 182 otter, I caught five doubles. 
two otter in the same trap. And as luck would have it, all five of them, I had people I was training with me. Because, you know, they were really impressed. Oh, yeah. You know, otter, I think I ended up averaging $118 for those 182. And, and of course, you know they, they were saying it's a $100 bill. And I pull up a 330 and there's two big otter in it. And, and most of them were big males. I, I had one time I remember that I had a male and a female. But I've done it five times that year. But I've only done it, I've done it eight times in my life. And one time was on a, a ADC job in wasn't trapping season. And it, it really... Well, I, I know from students, uh, when stuff like that happens, you got to act like it just happens every day. Oh, yeah. You say, yeah, well, the way you set the trap. You know? <laughs> well, I'm, the, the funnest thing like that that's happened to me, I had some guys with me in Texas. And I, and I was driving that old Dodge Diesel, which you can hear from nine miles I away. I remember it, yeah. And there was a coyote that crossed the road in front of us probably... 300 yards on a 45 degree angle coming towards us so I kick it up in neutral and turn it off and I grab my AR with it and it had a EOTech on it which is a scope thing and and I already had my Fox Pro is sitting out on a bobcat set because I leave them out on bobcat sets 24 hours a day I discharge them so all I had was a little bitty mouth call and I'm like thinking you know this is like probably a 10% chance of success but we saw the coyote, I've got the AR, it's coming our direction, so I'll tell them to be quiet. There's two of them with me. We step off about 40 yards in the brush and all that mesquite down there, and I hit that generic coyote call. And I kid you not, <laughs> this coyote runs up the brush and stops 25 feet in front of me broadside. And the, you, you, could, you could hear the air coming out of the two guys behind me. Mm -hmm. You know, like, holy cow, mm -hmm. this... And then there's another one that comes up just on with its head about where its shoulder's at, looking ahead. Well, that's where they thought the noise come from. So I raise that AR up. Both of them fall down. We drag them back to the truck. I acted like it happened every day. <laughs> said, well, now we need to find another place like this so we can do this again. Yep. It's better to be lucky than good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. But all of those things... Uh, I was telling some guys today, I started trapping when I was nine. I have enjoyed it immensely. It is, I learn every year. You don't ever, you don't ever quit learning when you think you know it all, you got problems. And uh, it's challenging. Another thing is you realize how big this planet is, but I'm going to get that auto to stick his head in a 10 inch square. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the challenge. You know, I, I do, it's, it's, and I've always been a student of nature. When I ain't trapping, I'm deer hunting. And uh, a lot of it go together. It's like deer, the, the, a lot of the boys put out cameras. I go, I'll take a day during the week and I'll go scouting. And unless he come in with a helicopter, I know he's there. Why? Because I make a living on sign tracks mm -hmm. and, and so forth. But, I think uh, in our modern technology world, that part of hunting is, people talk about it, yeah. but I don't think they really understand it or do it. Yeah, yeah. I know some folks who's got 10 or 12. I know one guy that's got 43 uh, cameras out for bear. Eh, you know, that's a bit much, you know? <laughs> and they go and they, they, the boys in the morning scatter, pull the cards, 
Okay, this is a big one. Let's run him off of a bait barrel. See, that kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm not. But you know what? God is talking about otter. Of course, me and you getting together talking about otter is not that yep. hard to come up with. Mm -hmm. But you had that, that conibear cage in the back of your truck. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you're showing me how the wire needs to be smaller mm -hmm. because of the tearing them up. And I told you about our our colony trap with the like the pigeon door on the front and the otter could figure out underwater under stress to bend those enough to get out and I just couldn't believe it because they were such heavy metal mm -hmm. and you were saying just how intelligent that yep. they are yeah I told you see I don't think people as Realize. a whole gather that right and the deal is you go in a new area and, and you trap with a good population of otter and you catch double triple double triple you trap them good. You go back next year, and you got to you got to stretch your stuff to double, triple, double, triple. You may, you may catch some doubles, but it'll be mama and, and some kids or something primarily. But I told you a story of two cases where I know that Otter had reasoned out what was going on. I had one case where I caught uh, years ago in the early '70s. We could still just before we we couldn't use traps with teeth or anything, and the trap of choice, which was a deadly otter trap on dry land or in the water was a 48 new house and they had a five foot chain four foot chain well i caught a, a small kid otter in that trap and instead of going overboard it went up and wrapped around uh some marsh grass well i had rather it was sand on a sandbar or a quarter instead of using a stake i'd used to just cut a pine sapling about big as your arm and drug it over there and nail to it well, that female otter went and cut that above, went above where that trap was nailed. The mama did. The mama. And cut it in two. Well, the baby's over there. He can't eat, or the, or the kid. It won't have told the baby. It, it didn't help anything, but she knew where it was fastened. So I, I dispatched to, to that otter, go back next day, and I got her. Another case I had set. But you missed the lesson right there. What? An otter that's alive that you leave. The other otters will come back. They're gonna too. come back. And if, you, if he's dead, if they're he's not. dead, you're done. He right. won't come back. Uh, usually, the other case, I had set a toilet, and it had, I had two traps, one on each end. They come up, went out, whatever, on each end. The traps was about, I don't know, twelve foot apart. And when they come up, I had a double, two males. Well, the water, the wind, blew the water out. And I hide my traps, and those otter went and got those killers in dry when they, when they were not underwater. But they were legal because they were below the mean high tide mark. The otter with the otter, the, the otter on the on the left, I had tacked my my trap cable to a uh, cypress knee, and I used two overlapping nails. The otter with that one had a pure mud trail to those nails and had bent them out where if that otter had been alive, all he'd had to do was leave. His buddies knew what was holding him. And that's eerie. When you're dealing with an animal that smart, you can't be too careful. Well, I, mean, I do think that they're, they seem to be a lot more intelligent. I was talking to a guy today and it may be the one I brought over to you, I'm not sure. And he was like, uh, 
you know, I'm setting these up and I set the traps and then they leave. And I'm like, dude, you're in a state where these these otter know what a conibear is, especially mm-hmm. you set it where they can see it. And I mm-hmm. said, you know, it ain't. It's different when you get up in the wilderness of Maine and you see them sitting in the middle of the creek and and and, and all that. And I said, you're going to have to hide them. And I think he's the one I brought over to you. I said, watch okay. this guy's demo. You know, but when you think of intelligence, now human beings, and you know we're getting well when I'm going to give you an example, you're going to know I'm telling you the truth just because of people. Human beings can use a smartphone, a computer, they can drive cars, fly airplanes, fly airplanes, been to the moon, they can do all this stuff. If me and you took a six foot by six foot 330 bear and stuck it in a mall in the middle of the aisle, we would have a person in that within they an ain't, hour. They no ain't question. No doubt. Yep, especially if you put a box on two sides of it. Now, if you put that thing on the news where the other people in the mall saw someone get smacked in that thing, it's gonna. You would eventually catch another person just because he's gonna be on his smartphone or he's gonna think that it can't happen mm-hmm. to him or whatever. But what I think in in um, I had an, an older uh, Bob Best, which you may know him. He he's uh, built the tube traps and he's kind of built all the little parts about everything you've ever used in trapping. I mean, he's like the EF. I know of him. Yeah. He was saying when they started gray fox trapping back in the day, gray fox were so easy to kill with a call. He said they would just run you over, run under the truck. After like three years and it became popular, it was a little more difficult. After 10 years, they'd sit off 100 yards and bark at you. And his theory, which I think he's dead on, all the stupid brave ones have been killed and they're not breeding anymore. That's right. Now you got all the smart ones that are cautious of breeding and they're, they're genetically building smarter more cautious gray fox mm-hmm. and i think with your otter down here i think all the dumb ones are dead yep yep yeah and, and, and that's 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 very possible oh uh, and like you say they 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 know something else I'm, I'm firmly convinced he's smart enough if there's three otter coming along and the front otter they've never seen an otter uh, another otter in a trap but but when that trap hits that lead buddy up there by the neck and he's floundering around. Sometimes they'll jump on him like a dog. You know, they'll you'll see the, when you pelt him, you see the bites. But I think then they go and uh, look here. And I, in my my demos, I, I use the example of a buddy that I had told to hide his traps, and he couldn't catch an otter. And I said I had trapped the area, and I said I know there's otter there. And he kept saying, "Come with me." Well, I'm trapping too, you know. I'm wide open, and finally it come a snow. And I felt sorry for him. I called him. I said, I'll go with you. And we'll go in at night. The first place we went was a beaver dam that had, the beavers had been gone. And the side of it had washed out. And he had a trap in it. In the snow, that otter came to it and went three foot up a bank. Obvious physical exertion to get around that trap. I redone the trap. And where he had gone was a dead end. I mean, there's no, this this canal dead ends up here. I know he's coming back. Two nights later, he's dead. But I'd hid the trap. Did, so you could see his trap probably half the yep. half hour? No, no. He still, he had it under water, but instead of doing like I do, leaving a hole, using whatever, wax myrtle or pine bog or whatever, dead grass, he had used sticks. Mm-hmm. And, and in, a, in an area that they've not been bothered, it will catch otter. I'm telling you. But if you want the really high roll, you're going to miss a lot. They're going to not go in it. 
It's just that simple. And we had one in up on Eastern Shore in Virginia, them boys that I was going with, up there and showing them. The first otter we caught, there was two of them. And the next one come dodging the hedge, dodging everything. I mean, you know, he figured his, his, his buddy done stuck his head in that brush pile there and it whopped him. <laughs> and uh, of course the guy caught him moving over, but uh, he didn't catch him where he caught that old one, you know. And, and see, my theory is the, de the dumb animals were digging up their fossils. All the animals we got left now to a certain extent is smart, you know. They're, they're survivalists and certainly it would fit right in that if, if I'm running along with you and boom, you fall over, something whops you over there, that I back off and uh, say, you know, there's something bad over there. So now on, from now on, I'm not going through that door, I'm going through this one. And I think the animals, to a certain extent, can do that too. Uh, especially smart animals. And, you know, a coon can get a little intelligent, a fox. A coyote can get very intelligent, you know, very smart. Uh, red fox and coyote, first off, they're born paranoid. <laughs> I raised a red fox one time from, from a little pup. Boy dug him up kept him about four or five days and didn't want him. Asked me did I want him. I said sure. And I took him. I had him in a cage. I raised him up grown. He thought he was a dog. The dog would come and they'd play through the wire. If I changed his food bowl it would take three or four days for him to eat out of it. He'd go there and take his foot and turn it over and eat off the ground or off the bottom of the cage and eventually he'd go to eating in it. And so, you know, that's paranoid, you know. And But it serves the same purpose. Mm -hmm. It keeps him from getting in trouble, you know. Well, all the studies I've looked at, they talk about, especially with coyotes, uh, how phobic they are. And I don't know if you've seen them, but these things I've been using last year or so, it's called a portable pocket. Mm -hmm. And it's a it's a pipe. I can show you one tomorrow. And it's... it's it, just got a stake coming down it's got a vertical pipe it's made out of metal but i started playing around with these for different animals and you know you'll catch a couple of pup coyotes if that thing's exposed when i take grass in a grass field with bro like broom grass and i cut broom grass off and i wrap that pipe where there's absolutely no visible whatsoever the coyotes seem to have no fear of anything at all when they go up to it. If I open up the front and they can see now it's a hole with grass, it slows down. But if I take that grass and wad it around it, and it's above ground level now, mm -hmm. those coyotes go straight up to it with hardly hmm. any fear whatsoever. You know, hmm. and I think that's part of the reason, like the, the guys that catch a lot of coyotes, they go to more flat sets because it's less visible. Right. You know, and yep. the yep. and the otter. You know, w one weird thing about an otter with these these. Uh, I talked about it in the demo day, and I really don't know why. I'm using these on everything from muskrats to coyotes. It's a really cool deal on beaver and footholds. With a with a body grip trap in these, it makes it easier than a dog proof trap for raccoons. It's the dangest thing you've ever seen. Mm. I was scared to put it in the video because I'm worried about the beaver. It, it's that bad. Mm. But with a foothold, if you on a and a beaver and otter is the same way, and I ain't figured it out. If you can imagine a slide, and I've got this pipe that is uh, perpendicular to the ground, mm -hmm. and I and I'm pushing it in. So here's the water. 
I push it in with the holes towards the water right in the middle of the trail and I set the trap in front of it. Logically, you'd think the beaver come up to the caster and get caught. Some do. Most of them snap the trap off. But if I take that off the trail, kick that on a 45 degree angle where the pipe's facing towards the same trail in the same place it was, you, you nail beavers so fast it's scary. Hmm. And then I started picking up otter. But I never caught an otter with it facing the, the pipe facing the trap. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking that the otter and beaver, especially the otter, they were coming around up on the bank mm -hmm. checking it out. And when they realized nothing was going on, they would go to back in front of it. Mm -hmm. And that's where they were getting caught. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, sometimes if you, and I'm a stickler for seeing which way the animal was going. You build a scent mound, hedge it off, set a 330. And, you know, you've got the, the, the beaver headed off. He's going to go up there and you're going to bust him when he goes to his scent mound. You go there, you got the beaver. You look at the beaver, he'd been on the scent mound and come in the trap. That's right. Of course, the, the end's the same, but think about it. It's the same principle as you're talking mm -hmm. about. He's got, he wants to come around, and, and you know, when you're using your lure, that you, you're, you're emulate, emulate, emulating a different, another animal, an intruder, maybe the deal is not go right straight on. You know, Could be. Go around to the side. Let's see now. He, you know, he may be around there where I can't see him and tear my head up. Well, when we trap in the mountains, we have current. Mm -hmm. And it's always current. You know, like like when I trap with Newt, a lot of the water, I don't know about around here, but farther towards the coast, it's slack mm -hmm. for the most part. But what I've noticed on the beaver is they always come up on the bank on the down current side, and I think the lure hits the water and the molecules are drugged down with that current and when they hit the smell they're pasture set yep and then they come up directly from there till they they find that source and then you you, you know yep. you catch them off if i possibly can one of my con my concerns in using beaver lure is what's the prevailing wind which you know here is north and south a lot of times it's predominantly north if it's a small stream i'll make two cent mounds one on each side. So if the wind goes in the south, I got a good supply. But as you said, you know, when he gets close to it, chances are he's going to smell it anyway. But these are little things that I do just to try to, to make my chances better to catch him. And uh, and you know, if I mess up, hit the game keeps going. When he messes up, the game's over. <laughs> School's out. But, now, one, we just have a few minutes left, but, okay. but um, I'm going to change subjects on you. All right. Coon trapping in these swamps down here, I know when I've been down here trapping, it is very, very different. And, but it's kind of like it is in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. you got the cypress swamps. It's flat. Mm -hmm. There's no banks. If you're going to dig a pocket, you're going to have to walk 150 yards yep. to find a spoil pile. Yep. You know, and you're from just hearing you talk, you're setting a lot on the cypress stumps themselves. Yep. The cypress, if you'll think, look, if you'll picture a cypress, the roots come down and form a cubby. A V in there. A V. I hedge him off down to about an inch and a half. I set my trap inside the hedging, tack a piece of fish up there. That's all you got to do. And the trap of choice back in the heyday when I was really making a living catching coons with the number one coal. He'll lay right there. He won't, he won't gnaw out his small, a number one double coal. 
It's a small trap. You get him here, he'll be there. And it amazes you how many otter are caught in that set. Amazing. That's too simple. It can't be that easy. It's that simple, and it's that easy. You know, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. But just, just amazing. Uh, Is that the only set back when you're doing a lot of coon that you used? That was ninety percent. That that is so quick, so easy. You know, times money. Boom, boom, boom. I've read about uh, was it Phil Brown? He makes dirt holes. Why? Because they're easy. They work. They're simple. And this was it. I had a guy, I did a demo right up here at Smithfield one day, and a guy from my area come to me and give me a fit. Man, you weren't supposed to do that. I said, man, that's a secret. I said, nobody don't need to know that. It's too simple. I said, they, they'll just wipe the coons out. <laughs> but it is. Uh, it, okay, think about the pipe set with the bait in it. You put it down. That's quick and simple, you know. But back then, uh, but that's been, gosh, the market crashed in 87. So prior, from 87 back to about 1970, that was the set. And, and even in the 60s, I was selling coons alive. We were selling coons, and I was using the little number one jump, selling coons to the, the coon hunters in the mountains for restocking. Of course, we found out at one time that it was put and take. But uh, the Wildlife Commission was buying them, was, was paying half, and the coon hunters paying half. And as long as the Wildlife Commission did was in the program, they'd ear tag them. And they had a, a coon that come halfway from the mountains and was caught in the middle of the state. I guess he was wow. coming back home. But not one. And see, there's always stuff like that happen. I mean, it's just like uh, I looked out one day at, at my aunt's farm and there was two sandhill cranes in the field. You know, they're a mid-flyway in Westernburg. And last year, there was two took over, took up over at Newburn. There's always, you know, variables. And that's how the world got populated, I reckon. But, uh, but that set, just unbelievable. And I like the fresh fish, because I'd catch six, seven mink a year, but I'd catch five, six hundred coons. And well, five or six hundred coons by, by stapling a fish by, on a by, stump. By nailing the fish on the stump. And were you stapling your chain to the same stump? Mm -hmm. And see then, when it started out, you didn't have to have a eight inch chain. But when you did, I'd pick one that, that I could set, set the, uh, I could nail to the tree and uh, set maybe middle way. And uh, we were talking earlier today, I had shown Jimmy Pierce on one of the places where I was coon trapping, that time I was using Jack Michael. And see, I always wanted something with eye appeal. Jack Michael's white. Well, in the back of that V, I just grab a, grab a glob of mud and uh, leaves and build a shelf and lay that Jack Michael up there and it would be white. Or I may even be, take a cup of uh, uh, tinfoil. What do mm -hmm. coons like? Shiny. And set it back there. Well, this day I was using Jack Michael. I used the last, I caught a coon, I dispatched him, I took him out, and coming back, I had used all my mackerel, and I walked by a cypress knee that's about waist high, and I stuck that can, and unless something has happened this year, that can is still on that after 25, 30 years. It's, it's, it's frightening. We were, we, he'd go brim fishing me, I'd say, I'd say look yonder, Jimmy, you see that can, that piece of can on top of that? I done that in 1980. You know, 
and also you said you some of your score marks on the trees. Mm-hmm. If I I had a, a like I was going gonna, gonna run a line out through the low grounds, maybe set set five traps. I'd say you see that mark right there? That's where I'd go in, and I'd go around and I'd set five traps, and I'd come back to the creek down yonder by a slough, and then walk back to the boat, and uh, they're still there. Cause see. Your hardwoods like tupelo gum, even and 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 cypress in, that's close to the water don't grow fast. And uh, those I can show you some today. I showed him notches and logs that I caught rats on in the seventies. I cut the notches in the seventies. I say you see that awesome. notch right yonder, and I mean it's obvious. You know it didn't grow that way. I said well that that's where I but we ain't got no rats now. Back then, there was plenty, you know, on the creeks and stuff. But it's eerie. And then I look and I think, boy, I wish my body was like it was the day I cut that notch. <laughs> uh, here I am, 70 years old, decrepit, you know. Laying on a bed. Laying on a bed, <laughs> talking to my shrink. <laughs> but I'm already feeling better. There you go. Well, I've got to ask, any Viagra news? No, no. I'm not having to use as much as I used to, but other than that, you know, as I told you in the last one, he, when he gave me my <laughs> he gave me my prescription, he said it's on wrote on the thing, use as you as you as you need. And I told you last year at 69, you don't need it as much. Well, at 70, you still don't quite need it as much as that. But I do need it occasionally. Well, if you talk to him about taking testosterone, you might be able to get that going again. You know, I haven't. Uh, I'm kind of a stickler about taking stuff, you know. Uh, it don't mean that much to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but my wife won't be listening to this, so that, everything's cool. <laughs> we won't let her hear it. Yep, no. that's right. Well, man, I appreciate it. and I've I, enjoyed it. And, and to me, it was just fascinating about the otter. Yeah, well, know? it is. And I, I've, got, I've got pictures. My, the, the real tragedy is over my life of trapping. I've never taken the pictures I should have. I took some. I've, I've even got some video of them releasing them. But somebody they 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 released, they took the pictures, the video for me. But uh, it was so rewarding, you know. In my opinion, if you can put something back, I left the harvest. I've spent my life harvesting wildlife. Well, like with my deer, I plant food plots. Uh, I've volunteered to help do a lot of stuff, you know. And, and, and I really think in some small way I'm doing, I'm putting something back. And uh, one of the things I told one of the young kids today rode here with me, I said, uh, I'm really glad to see you guys, you know, because it's a wonderful world. It's a wonderful hobby, occupation, uh, whatever. And it's good to see that still few of you that ain't got you, like you were mentioning earlier about with your head on a, in a computer, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, what you learn in the woods, you can't learn in a computer. Uh, it amazes me the things that people that, that even some of the wildlife experts will tell you that ain't true. You know, mm -hmm. it just ain't true. And we know you and I know because we're out there all the time. Yeah. And that's the way you learn. Uh, but it has. It's been fun. And uh, in in my trapping, I've made friends all over the country. I got folks from Louisiana call me once a month. I've got friends in Michigan, uh, Virginia, all around. And, and, and that I treasure. 
you know, I love, I love, I guess it's obvious I love to be around people. I like to talk a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. But, uh, and I love to share my experiences. We, uh, you know. Uh, well, that, that Connie box that I saw the day in the back of your truck, if you catch Otter with that, will you call me and let me know? Yeah, and I'm going to catch Otter. I've caught a couple or three in something similar to it, but our president, Tony White, made it. And, and what he done, I'll explain it to the folks, it's, it's long enough to put two 220 Connie bears in it, and it's got a, a post in the middle with about six or seven rubber crawfish on it. In my part of the world, crawfish, the Louisiana Reds have inundated the place. They're near about as bad as fire ants, or as good, because I, I catch them and eat them. I know I'm going to catch an otter. But he told me, he brought it to me at, at the convention, he said, you're my research and development man. <laughs> I said, well, buddy, I'm going to be a success on this one. Well, I'm curious with that noodle in there if it's going to try to float the trap, or is that the gold? No, it ain't the gold, and, and that, that we'll see. It may be that I change it. And if I do, if I change it, I'm going to put a post in there and paint it white to give it more definition, you know. Uh, see, I, at some of my demos, I've asked people, have they ever sunk five-gallon buckets and caught otter? Well, people said yes, with chunks of fish. Well, when I caught them in, in a cage, it was with live fish. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, I've tried the five-gallon bucket thing to and didn't catch nothing. Nothing. That makes two of us. One of the guys said he goes to Canada, and this has been five or six years ago, said he goes to Canada every year and he catches northern pike. And he brings them back, freezes them, and cuts them in chunks. And said, Northern Pike's the trick. Well, I ain't been to Canada, so I ain't got no Northern Pike. I still catch a lot of otter. There's a good chance that I caught by as many as he did, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, they're, they're really, uh, it's like deer hunting. There really ain't no magical bullet, but there's some things that you can do to enhance your catch. Don't, that Connie Bear box that you're or cage that you're talking about, how would you set a hundred? You'd have to have a trailer. Oh I mean, yeah. You know, oh, it would absolutely. be time is money, as I've said. If you spend a minute at sixty sets, if you if you just a minute, and with them it'd be five, ten minutes, a minute would be an hour. And uh well, more. I'm, I'm gonna explain that colony because this is probably gonna get your attention. You've been in the mountains before, I know. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you understand Rocky Creeks that's mm -hmm. got current... i on them in, in North Carolina. Okay, where if you get a little bit of rain and you step off in the rocks, there's a good chance you're going swimming. That mm -hmm. kind of current's what I'm mm -hmm. talking about. Okay, where I'm using... Well, there's two places I'm using them. The places that get me excited because I can catch two otter and a beaver in one trap in one night by doing this. Mm -hmm. the, the, my big ones are too big. But I mean, I made them out of hog panels. They probably weigh 65 pounds of mm. beef. And they've been wired off to a tree now for three years. That's flipped upside down. I wire the door so nothing can get in there by accident. Come trapping season, I'll roll them back out in that thing. But the, the way that I'm, they're three door traps. My big ones are three door traps. So there's no way a caught animal can block the, the front door. It's like a, a, a rat colony trap. You got the door in the middle. Mm -hmm. So on that really heavy current, it's coming down and almost all these are coming off ponds going towards the river the otter in my opinion are bypassing that trap and they're probably not in that current anyway because it's so strong 
and I find these places and that traps 16 inches wide that's almost 16 inches and I countersink it and I put rocks on it now the reason I think they're worth it is when those otter come down that current and they get in the throat of that trap there's nothing they can do except at the end of that cage they do <laughs> and when you catch a couple of otter or three beaver or something at a time in these things in that current it you want to talk about wasting time I've got video I had to edit on YouTube where I got a GoPro on mm -hmm. because I sounded like I just walked up Mount Everest trying to pull all that weight up through that current with the leaves and everything mm -hmm. else to get it out. Mm -hmm. But then you see all them little critters in there and you get kind of excited. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, you were using crawfish and I was talking about using the fish. The other place that I'm using those things is the the way our, our, our creeks are where I live, it's clear water. I mean, it's a little bathtub clear. Mm -hmm. And I can get on some of these banks on the outside edge where they start doing this and they'll come up to a creek if you follow them. And there's always a bunch of uh, roots that's come out where it's been washed out mm -hmm. over the years. And I can wedge that colony trap. Usually I got to be on my belly up under those things like a bottom edge set where mm -hmm. those otter are going with that current around that edge with and those normally fishing under there yeah and they're getting whacked as they, they're they're going that way but see i'm leaving those traps in place mm -hmm. i'm not trying to carry those things and if <laughs> someone finds and steals one or two it's just gone it's just yeah. gone yeah we're good what, okay since someone's coming in well, i appreciate it buddy. yeah buddy thank you come on in buddy